Hey, my name is PJ Nolan. I'm the lead pastor of Collective Church. We are a community of real people in Saline County, Arkansas, seeking to know God and to make Him known. We hope as you visit our podcast that you will find the messages inspiring, practical, but most importantly, biblical. As we dive in this morning, I want to just back this up just a little bit before we begin really diving in. You see, of course, we're here and our blessed hope is in Jesus Christ, but a myth that you may be told from time to time is that Jesus only discussed and talked about love and, and Jesus only talked about good things and Jesus only talked about things that make you feel good. But that is not at all who Jesus is. In fact, in Jesus' first sermon he ever preaches in Matthew chapter 5, go and read Matthew chapter 5. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus mentions or alludes to hell at least five to six times in his first ever sermon. Now, you read on through Matthew in chapter 10 and chapter 11 and chapter 13 and on and on. You see that Jesus is a firm believer in a place called hell. And so if our Savior, if Jesus Christ, who we have our blessed hope in, is making this a reality for the people that he is speaking to and talking to, this is an ultimate thing that we as the church need to have a reality check on and understand that it is exactly a real place that people will end up. And so I bring that up this morning because... A lot of times we have this, this idea of, well, you know, we have hell, we have heaven, but we don't know enough about it, and so we just kind of leave it to the side of it in, in which the eternal rewards is what we live for, the eternal rewards where we get to spend and share in the glory with Christ forever is our ultimate thing, and Jesus wants us to be his hands and feet that lead people to that, to share in his glory for all eternity. That is heaven for us. Hell is the exact opposite. Whereas heaven is an eternal place where we are judged on our deeds and our good things that we have done and we glorify him, hell is the exact opposite where people will be judged on their merit compared to the bar set by a holy and righteous God. And so we're going to dive into this as we begin to learn about this reality of a place called hell. Not to scare you, but to give you hope in understanding that there is a place not only for you, but there is a place for everyone. But that reality is there is a place called hell. So the very first thing we need to realize and understand, and most of us, if not all of us, already know this, but it's good to understand why there is this place called hell. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the reality of sin. The reality of sin. And if we look at this, we will understand that sin is what begins this transition into a place that is ultimately called hell. And we're going to look very quickly at Genesis 3, 6 through 7, because this is where 
it all began. In verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves cloths. Now, the point of this is this is the beginning of where man rebelled against God. This is the moment in time in history where this place called hell begins to have an effect on mankind because we have absolutely rebelled against a holy and a just God. Can I tell you this morning, church, that God has set the bar for good. God has set the bar for good. As you read above this passage and you read the first two chapters of Genesis, what does God continually say day after day? He made it and it was good. It was good. It was righteous. It was perfect. It was incredibly perfection by a God who set the bar for good and we cannot live up to that bar. And it starts here in Genesis chapter 3, where most people call this the fall of man. Where man decided to turn against and rebel against a righteous and holy God who had already set the bar for good. And we cannot no longer attain that. In Romans 5.12 it says, this says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. You see, none of us, again, can live up to this bar. Scripture has, has told us here in Romans 5.12 that all have sinned. We have all fallen short of what? The glory of God. That glory of God, that is the bar that God has set for good. Do we, are, are we tracking? Are we understanding that, yes, we have to, before we get any further, we have to deal with and understand that there is a reality that is sin. Because some people out there in the world and in society have no repercussions to sin. You think about it in our world. You think about what it is that is sinful and is not sinful, right? And what is it that are laid down punishments for sin Right now in our society, there's not many things left that God himself has called sin that you regularly get punishment for. This is why as parents, we teach our children that stealing is bad, that lying is bad, murder is bad. That's one of the things that society for the most part would say is sinful, Right There's different things that we could go on and talk about with that. But what we have to understand is there is a reality of sin in our society. And what is called a sin and what is not called a sin does not measure up to the good bar that God has set. So there are no ways for goodness to be achieved. And when goodness uh, from mankind stands against a holy and righteous good bar set by him everyone will fall short. And that is a reality we need to understand because that reality plays a factor in a place called hell. 
And so as we, as we, as we gather that in today, we, we, we as the church need to understand as well, though, though we need to rebel against sin and turn back to the Heavenly Father, we also need to realize that we ourselves deal with this same reality that is sin, And when we as a church understand that the church people have a reality of sin, when people come into that, they understand that, hey, these people understand a reality of sin, and I feel comfortable here because I know I'm going to be led away from it, even though it's still something that we deal with. It's still something that we deal with. We don't need to hide away from the fact that we cannot achieve the bar that God has set. It is okay because God has already said, you cannot contain it, you cannot obtain it, and you will not obtain it. I have sent for you a free gift that is a Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's okay, but we as the church need to understand the reality of sin and how that plays a role in each and every one of our lives, those that are saints today and ones that can be saints tomorrow. We have to remember that, church, that yes, sin is a reality. Doesn't mean we bend over backwards to cross the line, but it does mean that there are people just as you that are in sin, that live in sin, that have not believed in a holy and righteous God, that need a Savior, and they're not going to obtain that, and they're not going to deal with the reality of their sin, and even a reality of hell if we cannot understand that yes, sinful people sin. We have to have a reality check. I'm not saying that we don't condemn sin. I'm not saying that we condone sin. I'm saying that we understand the reality of it. And we must. We must understand the reality of it in our lives as well in the lives of others. Can we get, can we get along with that, church? Are we good? Shake your head up and down like this. I know you're still awake. Okay, most of people are still awake. We're still good. All right, now we'll get into it. Y'all ready to talk about hell? All right, it's point number two. Here we go. The reality, the reality of hell. So we're going to read here Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 10, 28. In this passage here, I would, I would uh, recommend that you go and you read this whole passage to give yourself some good context about what Jesus is actually talking about here. And yes, he is talking about some end times. He is talking about some people that are coming against you, that are coming against the church, that are coming against the saints and the believers. And we must rea- uh, realize that as we read this passage of Matthew 10, 28. And here's what it says. And do not fear. Now, that's why I mentioned everything before, because there's a reason Jesus is saying for us not to fear, because he just listed off a lot of things that we could possibly be fearful of. We obviously in this series have uh, many times gone over this idea of we, as people of Christ, do not have fear. We have what, church? We have Hope, that's right. So as we read Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says, he says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Can we quickly go over just the very first part of that and then we'll dive into hell. Look at what Jesus says. He says, do not fear. This is in the same breath that Jesus is fixing to mention the word hell. Do not fear. He says, do not fear those who can kill 
the body. Can I tell you today that there are Christians, maybe not here in the United States of America, but across our world, that are being martyred every day because of their belief and their faith in Jesus Christ, the redeeming Savior. That is happening. It has happened throughout all of history, and it still happens today. We as Americans need to be excited about the fact that we can freely worship in a country and freely choose Jesus, and we have every, every ounce of ability to tell people about Jesus without being persecuted and without being threatened of jail and even death. We need to take advantage of that now, church, because we don't know how long we have that. Now, again, that's not to, again, give you fear. That's to give you motivation to understand where we are and to give us a reality check that we have that ability. Notice how he says, those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. This morning, you may have been able in your life at some point in time had a a, a persecution of sort against you. It's very possible because of your faith and belief in Christ, you very well could have experienced persecution. Here's what Jesus says to you. Does it matter? He said it doesn't matter. He says those people have no control over your eternal destiny. It has no control over what I can do for you. Jesus says, I am telling you to not be afraid of those people who can kill you. That's how the extreme of where Jesus goes with it. Now, there's a lot of things in between that, of course, that we may deal with. But Jesus goes so far to say, don't be afraid of those who can actually take you out, who can kill you, and yet fear the one who can. See, church, we have more fear, and this is, a, this is a reality check, and I have to check myself on this too. A lot of us in this room at today's present time have more of a fear of who's going to be in the office of presidency than we do of the Creator God who can destroy you. We should really have a reality check of where our fear should take place in our life. God can and will punish those that stand against Him and His church. And that is a reality of a place called hell. He goes on to say, Rather fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So let's quickly dissect that word hell for just a moment. We have a couple of different words that we're going to get through that we find in the Greek that refer to this place called hell. And I'm going to do everything I can to not butcher the Greek. All right, I'll do everything I can. But the first word, and many of you have probably heard of both of these, the first one is called Gehenna. And Gehenna was a, a valley south of Jerusalem where they dumped all of their garbage. And over time, this place began to be called a place called Hell or Gehenna. It was a place of waste. It was a place where it is uninhabitable. It is not a place that you or I want to be. It is a place where people were uh, banished to, that people were taken to, that society did no longer wanted to deal with. It was a, a terrible and awful place. There's a second one that many of us are also familiar with. This one is called Hades. And we see this, uh, we see this uh, mention of Hades in a very, very uh, popular uh, passage of Scripture 
uh, where this is mentioned, and we're going to read some of it today here in Luke. We're going to look in Luke chapter 16. We're going to begin in verse 19. Now, again, many of you uh, have probably heard of this place and so, or of this uh, passage. And so we're going to read, like I said, just a little bit of it today. It says, There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who fasted uh, sumptuously every day. And at his gate was, lay, was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores who desired to be fed with that uh, with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. By the way, a lot of that, if you read that in Scripture, that's talking about an Old Testament terminology. Uh, we know that uh, Abraham held the faith and practice of our Savior God. And so Abraham is in heaven. This is a reference to heaven itself. Abraham's side, the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off. And Lazarus at his side, and he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you, that in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all that, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who, who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross there here to us. Now, I read all of that because there's some things that I want to uh, talk about when it's specifically talking about Hades and hell. There is a, uh, a, a distinction between the two of them for a reason. Hades is a temporary holding place for those who die without knowing Savior God. Okay, There is a difference between Hades and hell. Are you with me this morning? There's a difference between Hades and hell. This man is in Hades. I look at it this way. In our own judicial system here in the United States, if you get arrested and charged, you are put in a holding cell until you have time for judgment, right? Until you go before a judge and a jury, and before you are sentenced, you are placed in a holding cell. Then, after your judgment is over, then the court decides whether or not you are guilty or not guilty. If you're guilty, then you go to a place most of us are understanding with of a state penitentiary or prison, right? So just as there is a difference there, that is a good way for us to understand a difference between Hades and hell. If you die Today, without knowing Jesus Christ as Savior, you will go to a place called Hades. Are you with me? All right, what does that mean then? There is no one in hell right now. No one is in hell right now. Right now, we have a place called Hades. We'll get back to that here in just a, mo uh, just a moment. But I want to make that distinction because it is a reality, it is a place, and it's not necessarily for you to go and throw Bible knowledge at people, but just for you to know that there is the difference that we have, and Jesus is telling us accordingly. And now, so as we, as we move on through that and we understand that, we also need to uh, get to uh, this reality. I love 
how Charles Stanley puts this. He has a great quote we're going to read here because this would be a good transition for us. It says, hell, right? We know the difference between Hades and hell now. He says, hell is a reality because of an in, uh, in Oh my goodness. Somebody help me out there. It's on the screen. Catability, good grief. Problem. <laughs> holy God and holy humankind are incompatible, and no amount of time apart can change that. Now, what does that mean? That means that people who die without living up to the bar, the bar that who set? God set, are incompatible with a place that we call heaven. Right? They are incompatible. It's not that God is, is, this, is this mean guy with a magnifying glass, right? That's not who God is. God is a loving God. He's a just God, and he is a judging God. That is who he is. He cannot change. Therefore, the places that he creates also cannot change what they are. He has set the bar of good, period. And so when we read this and we have an understanding of a place called Hades and a place called hell, God cannot change who he is. And so when we look at, well, why doesn't God just save everyone? Now, this is another myth. There's actually a few myths that you can actually read on and find where there's all this big happy ending and everybody goes to heaven. Everybody ever seen the, dog, the, the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven? Right? All right, that's a different subject. We're not going to talk about that. But there is an, a myth that says that all people will eventually, at some point in time, go to heaven. Can I tell you, this is an absolute farce. It is not true. It is not true. How do we know this? As we are reading this story, what do we see at the very end of this passage? We'll see it again. And it says, and besides all of this, even though you're in absolute anguish, and we'll come back to that word, and besides all this, between us, you have a great chasm, and it has been fixed. It is sold. It is there. It is there to separate you from them. That is what has been created. And in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, but it is in an absolute no way for you to leave it or for you to leave the other. It is where you are at the end of this life. That is an extreme reality check. That is where eternity begins to play a role and begins to play a part in this message today. We need to understand that, yes, there, there is a reality of hell, and it is eternal. You see that word anguish. In Hades, right, this place, this holding place, there's anguish. There is hurting. There is absolutely an absence from a holy God. That is where people are going today. Church, this is a reality check for us. People are dying and going to this place. That needs to be a reality for us as we read this and understand it. And, and as we leave and we go back out into the real world. But not only this, there is one other thing I really want us to discuss and talk about uh, of another myth I want you to hear about just for a moment. Some people will even say, well, God is just so good. He would never let anyone suffer in all of eternity. He would never do that. 
Let me tell you, church, there's a lot of men that you may read that may believe this. So I want to point it out because it is an absolute myth and it's not true that when, you know, when it's all said and done and all the judgments are over and people are thrown into hell, that's just a, a place that we like to call annihilation. That people, when they go here, they, they just, uh, they do not, no longer exist. And it paints a really nice picture for us Christians who can sit here and say, well, if I don't get the message of that person, eventually God's just going to do away with them. That God's just going to, God's just going to annihilate that soul. It's no longer going to exist. And it's no longer going to be a place that I have to worry about. Because it's going to be gone. I want you to keep that in mind as we move into the next and, and, and one of the final points today. It says, the reality of a judgment. The reality of a judgment. And we're going to move into Revelation. Revelation chapter 20. We're going to look at from verses 11 through 15. It says this, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. And I saw the dead. He's referring to Hades. He's referring to ones who have died without knowing Christ. Then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books. We do not measure up to the goodness that was set by a holy and righteous God. And God is good because he's a good judge. And because he must do that, because he cannot change, and he cannot make something incompatible. He cannot cut corners when it comes to heaven, when it comes to Hades, when it comes to hell. God is just. God is holy. And the sea gave up the dead. Hades, death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Now, many times it's been said that we will not be judged according to the things that we do that are sinful, which is true for the saint. But when it comes to the sinner and it comes to the person who does not know Christ, they will answer for every single deed, every thought, and every single sin they commit. They will have to measure their bar to God's, and they will fall short of the glory of God. This is a reality. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the same thing as hell. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now what we need to understand is, and why I'm talking about this annihilation thing before, is because it is a myth because it makes you want to feel good that God, who is this loving God, would not follow through with everything that he has talked about. You see, Jesus explains, and Jesus is doing all the things he does. Why? Because he wants to save his people from an eternal resting place away from him. There is no such thing of an annihilation. You will live forever in eternity, one place or another, and you will understand the reality of a judgment because we will all go through one. There is a reality of sin. We have all fallen short. There is a reality of Hades and hell. You will go there if you do not know who Christ is. And there is a reality 
of a judgment that will forever and all eternity take place after this and into a place called the lake of fire if you do not know Christ as Savior. It is an eternal place of fire and anguish and destruction. It is a place that is away from and has no part of a holy and righteous God. That is what our, that is what our reality is. That that is a real thing. It is a real reality. Death and Hades are cast into hell forever. And our reality check as believers, we need to understand again, and I can't stress this enough, all of us fall short of, short of the bar. So why is it that we're here this morning? What has Jesus saved you from? We do not ask that enough. We love to say that Jesus has something for you. Jesus has things to do with you. Jesus has this for you. But many times in the church, and thank goodness this isn't one, hell is not mentioned enough. And hell is not mentioned because it's this, it's this place we just want to bypass. It's this place we don't want to talk about and even know about because if we make it a reality in our life, then we have to understand that people are going to be in it. And if it's that real to us, and it's a real place where real people are going to go, that's just too much for us, and we may just, I don't know, have to share the gospel with that stranger. And it's not easy with, ha with having those reality checks, but if, if you wanted to skip a sermon today and not know about hell, you missed it. You're here. You know about it. You know of the reality of hell and what it is. Its cost is, it's an eternal place where people will forever be separated from a holy God who said that it was good. We messed it up. We rebelled. There's a place for those people. We will be judged accordingly to what we do in one thing, and that is Jesus Christ, accepting him as Savior or not. So there's a fourth reality today, the reality of a Savior. Can I get a witness? <laughs> a reality of a Savior. Now here in a moment, Marianne's going to come and she's going to begin to lead us into a time to where you guys have an opportunity to make a decision today. But I mentioned before, you know, Jesus in his first sermon, right? And even throughout his ministry, mentioned hell. He talked about hell. He talked of a reality of this place. Why? Because Jesus knew that we needed something to keep us from that place. He knew that we needed someone to measure up to the goodness, the bar that God had set from the very beginning when he created heaven and earth. And it was good when he created the world and it was good when he created the land and the moon and the stars and the animals and mankind. And he looked at his creation and he said, it is good. God set the bar and he sent a savior to say, look, they're not going to measure up to the bar. I need you to go and do it. Jesus left his heavenly throne. He came in the form of a child, a baby. He grew, he lived a perfect life, a righteous and holy, perfect life so that me and you 
can have something that stands up on that day of judgment and opens that scroll and opens that book and says, I stand for them. I am the bar. Jesus is the bar of goodness that we cannot obtain, but he gives us as a free gift. And that is our reality as a church this morning. Can I say this though? It can be your reality today. If you are here this morning and you're fearful of this place called hell, have no fear, have hope in Christ Jesus. You're saying, I want that. Good. Come on down and we will share with you the goodness, the gospel, the bar setting Jesus of good. Because he is our only hope. He is our blessed hope. Thanks again for visiting the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you found the message to be practical, inspiring, and biblical. And by the way, if you're interested in learning more about Collective Church, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you enjoyed the message, hit the subscribe button. And if you'd be willing to, hit share and help us spread the word about Collective Church.